The Garretts were forbidden from the start, but that's not why they were important. We were standing in our yard that day, ten years ago, when their battered sedan pulled up to the low-slung, shingled house next door, close behind the moving van. Oh, no, Mom sighed, arms falling to her sides. I hoped we could have avoided this. This what? My big sister called from down the driveway. She was eight and already restless with Mom's chore of the day, planting jonquil bulbs in our front garden. Walking quickly to the picket fence that divided our house from the one next door, she perched on her tiptoes to peer at the new neighbors. I pressed my face to the gap in the slats, watching in amazement as two parents and five children spilled from the sedan like a clown car at the circus. This kind of thing. Mom gestured toward the car with the trowel, twisting her silvery blonde hair into a coil with the other hand. There's one in every neighborhood. The family that never mows their lawn, has toys scattered everywhere. The ones who never plant flowers or do and let them die. The messy family who lowers real estate values. Here they are, right next door. You've got that bulb wrong side up, Samantha. I switched the bulb around, scooting my knees in the dirt to get closer to the fence, my eyes never leaving the father as he swung a baby from the car seat while a curly-haired toddler climbed his back. They look nice, I said. I remember there was a silence then, and I looked up at my mother. She was shaking her head at me, a strange expression on her face. Nice isn't the point here, Samantha. You're seven years old. You need to understand what's important. Five children. Good God. Just like your father's family. Insanity. She shook her head again, rolling her eyes heavenward. I moved closer to Tracy and edged a fleck of white paint off the fence with my thumbnail. My sister looked at me with the same warning face she used when she was watching TV, and I walked up to ask her a question. He's cute, she said, squinting over the fence again. I looked over to see an older boy unfold himself from the back of the car, baseball mitt in hand, reaching back to haul out a cardboard box full of sports gear. Even then, Tracy liked to deflect, to forget how hard our mother found being a parent. Our dad had walked away without even a goodbye, leaving mom with a one-year-old, a baby on the way, a lot of disillusionment, and luckily, her trust fund from her parents. As the years proved, our new neighbors, the Garretts, were exactly what mom predicted. Their lawn got mowed sporadically at best. Their Christmas lights stayed hung till Easter. Their backyard was a hodgepodge of an in-ground pool and a trampoline and a swing set and monkey bars. Periodically, Mrs. Garrett would make an effort to plant something seasonal. Chrysanthemums in September, impatience in June, only to leave it to gasp and wither away as she tended to something more important, like her five children. They became eight children over the years, all approximately three years apart. My unsafe zone, I overheard Mrs. Garrett explain one day at the supermarket when Mrs. Mason commented on her burgeoning belly. It's 22 months. That's when they suddenly aren't babies anymore. I love babies so much. Mrs. Mason had raised her eyebrows and smiled, then turned away with compressed lips and a baffled shake of her head. But Mrs. Garrett seemed to ignore it, happy in herself and content with her chaotic family. Five boys and three girls by the time I turned 17. Joel, Alice, Jace, Andy, Duff, Harry, George, and Patsy. 
In the ten years since the Garretts moved next door, Mom hardly ever looked out the side windows of our house without huffing an impatient breath. Too many kids on the trampoline, bikes abandoned on the lawn, another pink or blue balloon tied to the mailbox, waving haphazardly in the breeze, loud baseball games, music blaring while Alice and her friends tanned, the bigger boys washing cars and spraying each other with hoses. If not those, it was Mrs. Garrett, calmly breastfeeding on the front steps, or sitting there in Mr. Garrett's lap for all the world to see. It's indecent, Mom would say, watching. It's legal, Tracy, future lawyer, always countered, flipping back her platinum hair. She'd station herself next to Mom, inspecting the Garrett's out the big side window of the kitchen. The courts have made it absolutely legal to breastfeed wherever you want. Her own front steps are definitely fair game. But why? Why do it at all when there are bottles and formula? And if you must, why not inside? She's watching the other kids, Mom. It's what she's supposed to do, I'd sometimes point out, making my stand next to Tracy. Mom would sigh, shake her head, and extract the vacuum cleaner from the closet as if it were a Valium. The lullaby of my childhood was my mom running the vacuum cleaner, making perfectly symmetrical lines in our beige living room carpet. The lines somehow seemed important to her, so essential that she'd turn on the machine as Tracy and I were eating breakfast, then slowly follow us to the door as we pulled on our coats and backpacks. Then she'd back up, eliminating our trail of footprints and her own, until we were outside. Finally, she'd rest the vacuum cleaner carefully behind one of our porch columns, only to drag it back in that night when she got home from work. It was clear from the start that we were not to play with the Garretts. After bringing over the obligatory welcome-to-the-neighborhood lasagna, my mother did her best to be very unwelcoming. She responded to Mrs. Garrett's smiling greetings with cool nods. She rebuffed Mr. Garrett's offers to mow, sweep up leaves, or shovel snow with a terse, we have a service, thanks all the same. Finally, the Garrett's stopped trying. Though they lived right next door and one kid or another might pedal past me as I watered mom's flowers, it was easy not to run into them. Their kids went to the local public schools. Tracy and I attended Hodges, the only private school in our small Connecticut town. One thing my mother never knew, and would disapprove of most of all, was that I watched the Garretts, all the time. Outside my bedroom window, there's a small, flat section of the roof with a tiny fence around it. Not really a balcony, more like a ledge. It's in between two peaked gables, shielded from both the front and backyard, and it faces the right side of the Garrett's house. Even before they came, it was my place to sit and think. But afterward, it was my place to dream. I'd climb out after bedtime, look through the lit windows, and see Mrs. Garrett doing the dishes, one of the younger kids sitting on the counter next to her, or Mr. Garrett wrestling with the older boys in the living room, or the lights going on where the baby must sleep, the figure of Mr. and Mrs. Garrett pacing back and forth, rubbing a tiny back. It was like watching a silent movie, one so different from the life I lived. Over the years, I got more daring. I'd sometimes watch during the day, after school, hunched back against the side of the rough gable, 
trying to figure out which Garrett matched each name I heard called out the screen door. It was tricky, because they all had wavy brown hair, olive skin, and sinewy builds, like a breed all their own. Joel was the easiest to identify, the oldest and the most athletic. His picture often appeared in local papers for various sports accomplishments. I knew it in black and white. Alice, next in line, dyed her hair outlandish colors and wore clothes that provoked commentary from Mrs. Garrett, so I had her down as well. George and Patsy were the littlest ones. The middle three boys, Jace, Duff, and Harry, I couldn't get them straight. I was pretty sure that Jace was the oldest of the three, but did that mean he was the tallest? Duff was supposed to be the smart one, competing in various chess competitions and spelling bees, but he didn't wear glasses or give off any obvious brainiac signals. Harry was constantly in trouble. Harry, how could you? was the refrain. And Andy, the middle girl, always seemed to be missing. Her name called longest to come to the dinner table or pile into the car. Andy! From my hidden perch, I'd peer out at the yard, trying to locate Andy, figure out Harry's latest escapade, or see what outrageous outfit Alice was wearing. The Garretts were my bedtime story, long before I ever thought I'd be part of the story myself.